Welcome to Wonder Tour with Derek Cobb and Drew Perot, where we are learning leadership lessons from your favorite stories. Hi, I'm Brian Nutwell. And I'm Drew Perot. And we are on a journey to become better leaders by touring fantastic worlds and inspiring lore by going on a Wonder Tour. We connect leadership concepts to story context because it sticks to our brains better. You can find out more at wondertourpodcast.com. We're back with part two of Big Hero 6. And this time we're digging into a long-standing mystery at Wonder Tour. Is character really destiny? Character is destiny is a quote from Heraclitus, and it's probably come up in different forms so many times over the course of human existence. But the idea is that who we are is the path. It is the destination. It's all of those things in one. It's almost this idea that who we are and who we are becoming are inextricably entwined. It's almost a velocity. Our character is not just a current state, but is a velocity that will shape the world around us in addition to shaping us ourselves. And so with that, in Big Hero 6, we see one of the best examples of character is destiny through the character of Tadashi. Tadashi is the mentor character for Hero and for the other heroes in this movie. Tadashi tragically passes away near the beginning of the movie, but he carries on through his creation, Baymax. Tadashi's character, as we get introduced to him, is one of love and compassion for the world. He wants truly to see everyone else become the best versions of themselves that they can be. Tadashi's legacy lives on long past his own life because of his character. We see Tadashi's character in Baymax. We see Tadashi's character in his group of friends that he collaborated with. And eventually, we see Tadashi's character rub off on his younger brother, Hiro. It truly shapes the world and the direction of the characters in the world. And this is not just a cartoon thing that happens. So we're going to look at that through the example of the red chip and the green chip and how Hero has the choice. He has wisdom in his hands of how is he going to approach the world? Is he going to smash his enemies into the ground or is he going to slowly transform them through love and compassion? Tadashi continues to teach the characters in this movie what it means to live for a purpose and for each other. Welcome to Wonder Tour. I'm Brian, back here with Drew, Big Hero 6, second episode. We're going to continue our dive into the joy that comes from the act of creation, but also we discovered last time that joy, when you're performing it by yourself, is necessarily limited. And that we found a higher level of it, a more rewarding level of it in a community, where if you have a community that itself is magnanimous, that is encouraging its members to become more powerful or more fully formed versions of themselves, that everybody gets to level up. That sort of brings out the superhero in all of us. And so that's the thing we saw and talked through in episode one. Now, I love so we brought in another aspect here now, and I think we're going to probably end up using this metaphor again. So. We've got the two computer chips for Baymax's programming. Conveniently, he has two slots. The green one is the Tadashi slot that's been downloaded with all of his caring mentality and his intention to help as many people as possible. And then we've got the red one, which has been imbued with Hero's personality and his intention to be able to overcome obstacles, to be able to fight things and smash things and fly and scan the entire world. And so he's sort of 
leveled up his capabilities. And Baymax, as we first meet him at the beginning of the movie, is very capable in the very narrow domain of healthcare. And so what what Hero's effectively doing is sort of leveling him up into new domains that involve being a superhero. But healthcare and what Hero needs to learn is being a superhero are not just about capabilities. They're about intention. And so the green ship is not only Baymax knows how to scan your vital signs and deploy bacitracin when you have an abrasion, right? The green ship is Baymax's entire purpose for existence is to help people, to find ways in which they are hurting and to repair them, to find ways in which they are suffering and soothe them. And Hero doesn't get that at all in the first half of the movie. He receives the benefit, like he, he appreciates that Baymax comforts him. He appreciates that Baymax pushes him out of his comfort zone. He appreciates that Baymax tries to take care of him. But he's kind of treating him like he treated Tadashi, like, okay, that's great. Now I'm going to go do my thing and I'll be even better at it. And interestingly, what we see from the community that he joins, the the nerds who become the Big Hero 6, is that the five of them that we meet in the lab, they're magnanimous with each other. They're doing a really good job of kind of, they're a little bit of bickering, but they clearly love and respect each other. And they're encouraging each other to just do cool things. And they're like, oh, that's amazing. I can't believe you did that, right? They're all leveling each other up, including Tadashi. But Tadashi's the only one who's had the realization that the purpose for doing his thing is to then help people that are outside the room. All of their mm-hmm. other inventions are very like, I'm just doing this because it's cool. I'm doing this because my bike will be faster or because I like, you know, because <laughs> it's just like I, I discovered this amazingly cool thing about the universe and I'm going to drill super deep into it and find out what I can do. And isn't so that all, where Hero's at at the beginning, too, yeah, with and, and his building the robots? Yeah, yeah. Hero's at, Hero's like at what we suggested is level one joy. of Like, he's figured out how to do a thing joyfully. And then in the first half of the movie, he learns the second level joy, right? He learns that it's more powerful to do it in a group because then people will encourage you and you'll have more insights and you'll learn about the narrative and you'll learn about, you know, how people's skills can come together. And so he forms this group, effectively. He makes a superhero group. And... They discover where the, you know, they use Baymax's super sensors to scan the world and find out that the Alcatraz Island equivalent in San Francisco is where the bad guy's hiding out. And so they go hunt him down. They get more insight into the backstory and the teleportation portal and all the things that were happening. And they get attacked and they get into a huge battle. First big superhero battle or maybe the second big superhero battle. And it goes terribly. Because despite the fact that they're a community, they're not really a team yet. So that's one of their problems. You know, they're kind of getting they're kind of getting beat up pretty thoroughly. Finally, Hero gets the upper hand. The way he gets the upper hand is that he pulls the green chip out of Baymax. So he's only about capability. He's only about punching things. And they do get the upper hand, and he orders Baymax to whatever terminate the <laughs> Callahan, the, the the revealed bad guy. And so what we've got is it's a it's a success on paper. Like he's gotten to the point where he's leveled up his capabilities. And despite the fact that the team is not collaborating very well, he kind of has to go do it himself. But the way he does it himself is like, all right, I'm just going to be as ruthless as possible. And he gets to the precipice of that success. And it's exactly the same as the first scene that we get introduced Hero in. He has not changed up into this point. He is hustling somebody with his robot once again. He's flipping the script on them in a non-magnanimous way where he's like, oh, actually, my robot has more powers than I've been letting on and I'm going to use it to crush you. Right. Fabulous. I didn't think about it that way, but you're right. Yeah. So he's learned the lesson of community at this point. 
but he has not yet learned the lesson of caring. He hasn't learned the lesson of character, right? But fortunately, those two things complement each other, right? So bring us into our mountaintop moment here. What, what, what happens here? Yeah, so as you said, Brian, we get the green ship moment where Hiro asks Baymax to remove the green ship or the Tadashi character, essentially. The green ship kind of signifies Tadashi's character from his programming, and he turns all the brute force against Callahan, and he's like, just get rid of him. Of course, this comes as an emotional response to him understanding that Callahan was instrumental in his brother's death and unapologetic about it at this point. So it's natural for him to think that way in that moment. And it's he has this test almost that he has to pass. And the test is, are you going to do what's right in your own eyes or are you going to do what's magnanimous? And he fails that test. He tries to just destroy Callahan because he doesn't understand character, like you said. And he needs, luckily, his community to save him in this moment, where we have Honey Lemon, who has understood community and is starting to understand the mission and understand character, you know, regardless of if it's Tadashi or a different mentor or whatever that taught her that. She understands character, and this is a crystallizing moment for her character where she says, no, we're not going to become that type of people. That's not what we're about. And she puts the green ship back in Baymax to protect Callahan, even though Callahan has no qualms about absolutely flattening them. She's like, we're not going to play that way. That is living out of our own what's right in the moment for me, not what's magnanimous. And that moment changes Hero. And then to follow that, we get this scene where Hero is, of course, disappointed that he didn't just get to destroy Callahan and he feels like it was a failure. But up until this point, he had thought of Baymax just as this robot and another one of his robots, essentially. Right. And then we get to the point, though, where he flies home and he actually sees like, oh, wait, no, Baymax is Tadashi. And this entire time I've been driving against Tadashi, essentially, I've been trying to go against Tadashi's character character, what if I need to instead integrate with Tadashi's character? What if I need to learn from Tadashi? What if my brother's still here and I can still get to experience his character? Yeah, perfect. And I love how you always talk about concentric circles in the movies, right? And this is this is exactly that, right? The bot fighting ring, which is a literal circle and has a bunch of circles in the imagery at the beginning, right, is is all about like he he has no mercy. His whole goal is to just destroy the other person. And the moment with Callahan is exactly the same thing. It's another bot fight. It's just Baymax has just been built into a bigger version of his bot. And he's on the precipice of just of his purpose for existence being to defeat other people, which is exactly what Callahan is doing. Like Callahan has taken all of his skills and actually stolen some of Hero's capabilities. And he's just using them to get revenge, right? He's just about zero sum, like my daughter is gone, therefore I'm going to, you know, take revenge on this other character that betrayed her or caused her to be lost. So this is another closed circle moment where Hero is looking at his future. He's looking at the self that he will inevitably turn into if he kills Callahan. He just becomes Callahan. Yeah, and isn't that character is destiny in degradation? Yeah, that's that the that's Callahan the, is doing that's the same the lesson, thing, right? That that's the lesson is that the, your character, you know, you will inevitably turn into this if these are the actions you take. But he's saved by the fact that he does have the character of community, which Callahan doesn't. He's figured out how to make friends, and one of the friends that he's made, Honey Lemon, has been portrayed all along as an incredibly warm and supportive person. And she's like, no, this is not who you this is not who I am. And this is not who you should be. 
she intervenes and that bails him out. His community that he's formed bails him out from making a mistake. And that's a leadership lesson all by itself, right? If you're if you're on the precipice of doing something and the wiser or more empathetic or more insightful or more narrative focused members of your team are like, that sounds like a bad idea, you might listen to them, right? The whole point of having a team around you that has different viewpoints and different insights and that can examine a situation differently or question the motivations, that's the power of this magnanimous community. And so they bail him out. And that, like you said, gets him to the moment in the garage where he sort of realizes kind of what's been going on all along. He realizes that Tadashi's character, the the superpower of empathy, is right there, has been in Baymax the whole time, and he's just been trying to work around it rather than work with it. And so then we get kind of that, that's the unlock, right? So that unlocks several things. It unlocks within the team another level of not only are we helping each other be better, but we're helping each other be better, you know, giving each other permission to sort of question each other and figure out how to work together, not just work next to each other. So it unlocks that. That's a passing the test. But it also unlocks the whole team to have a higher purpose, where they were kind of like, hey, we're going to go solve this mystery. We're going to figure out who this bad guy is and defeat the bad guy. And they're like, oh, now we know where he's going. He's going to go hurt somebody else, right? Like we know, now we kind of understand what's happening. He's going to go hurt somebody else. And our purpose is not just to defeat him. Our purpose is actually to prevent him from hurting people. And so they've started to add empathy. They've started to add magnanimity, not just for among each other, but to the broader world as part of their mission as a group. And so now we're starting to see our next level of joy, right? Now we're starting to see what that character implies is if you have the capabilities to do powerful things in the world and you have a community that actualizes each other to be more powerful and you have empathy, the next step is, is not only obvious, but sort of obligatory, right? Like who else is going to solve this problem, right? This is, the, this is the burden of leadership. This is the burden of superhero powers. This is the the Spider-Man quote, right? <laughs> this mm-hmm. is where that goes. Yeah, it's almost like they're coming to an understanding of what a hero really is. And of course, you know, his name is Hero, so it's great <laughs> like that. He has to understand what it means to be a hero. And that's what Tadashi's trying to teach him the whole time, because he doesn't think of Tadashi as a hero. But now he's coming around to this idea that, well, actually, maybe Tadashi is the ideal hero and Baymax is Tadashi, right? So he's like, okay, well, how do I infuse Tadashi with my skill set? How do I fuse all of this together so that we can become a healthcare robot and a army of people with good character? This is why character is destiny, right? It's easier almost to look at it in the inverse with Callahan and just say, yeah, of course, if you bring destruction to the world, if you bring hate, if you bring division to the world, then you should expect to reap what you sow. That is the way that this works. It is very, very simple. That is the best message I have ever heard on character development. And when I finally understood character was using the you reap what you sow metaphor because it's just so easy to understand right it's like if what you put out is what you will get back eventually if you push you know your narrative into the world and you're prideful about it and you're destructive and you only want to move towards your own goals in the end you will get crushed by someone doing the same thing to you that is just the way that it seems to work but if we can act like Tadashi. if we can put aside our own ambitions and instead prop up other people's ambitions oh my gosh, maybe they might be able to do the same for somebody else. 
that's when you get past a finite game and into an infinite game. Now you have the ability to scale joy. You have the ability to scale purpose. You have the ability to scale human potential. Yes, yes. And so we see this, you know, we see the final battle, right? And, you know, classic Disney fashion, we've got to have a big epic final battle to express our newly, you know, newly discovered character traits. But right they're you know, they're there. They're trying to save the Alistair Cray in particular and all the people at the ceremony in general and the way that they express their teamwork and, you know, their 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 new harmony and their new sense of mission, of course, is that they're not trying to punch Callahan directly. They're like, oh, this, you know, he's he's using these resources. We're just going to sort of undermine the resources. We're going to figure out how to use how to use all our skills so that, you know, at the end. He's by himself and we're still a team. So we've got him outnumbered. We can, you know, we can sort of just win by force of will. So it's a very indirect thing, but they collaborate well. They, they figure out, they unlock new capabilities within themselves, as you do in a superhero movie. And it goes well. And they finally, they, they win the battle. The uh, teleportation gate that was destroying the campus falls down, but it's still active. And it looks like it's going to blow up at any moment. And that brings us to our second mountaintop for the episode, which happens sometimes. So take us into this one. Yeah, the concentric circles usually make it so there's two mountaintop moments. <laughs> and this movie, the more and we talk one, about and it. And this one's actually a circle, as it turns out. So. <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah, yeah, the symbolism there. So what we get here is the advancement of Hero's character into the realm of Tadashi's character, almost. So this is the multiplication of flourishing in the world where... Before, the first time Hiro gets challenged with the test, at, the, at our first mountaintop, he takes the green Tadashi character out of Baymax, and he tries to flatten Callahan. And this time, he has the opportunity to destroy Callahan. He has the opportunity just to let Callahan fall to his death. But first off, he saves him. And then second off, you get this inversion moment of exactly what Tadashi did, right? Tadashi ran into the burning building to save Callahan which he didn't have to do. And he got in the end, he died and Callahan survived. And it doesn't seem fair in that moment. That seems like evil one. But what happens when we do things magnanimously? It flips the script on evil. So now you have Hero with the exact same opportunity that Tadashi had, except he's going to be able to save the offspring of Callahan. Instead of ending the line of Callahan, he's able to extend the line of Callahan. Baymax is like, hey, I think Callahan's daughter is inside of that gate. He has no obligation to go in there. In fact, it would make no sense for him to go in there because his Callahan is his enemy. And yet he knows and he goes in anyway. And he chooses to save Callahan's daughter, even at the cost of Tadashi, even at the cost of Baymax, because in the end, you get this just absolutely heartfelt moment where, of course, Baymax isn't able to make it back out. And Baymax is like, but I can save you. And of course, that is literally like Tadashi perfectly. He's like, I don't care about me. I'm in it for you. I'll save you. And in doing so, I'm going to multiply the blessing to everybody else right now. You know, I'm going to change the world by paying the cost one instance at a time and teaching other people how to pay the cost. And this is a passing the test moment, right? Oh, man, I get fired up about this, Brian. You can tell because you, you get Hero passing the test, choosing the green ship instead of the red ship, essentially, here. He chooses. OK, <laughs> I'm going okay, to I'm going to jump in there, right, because I'm going to assert that that's actually not what he does. The lesson here is that he chooses both. 
the reason that Hero survives this thing is because he takes Baymax in its full Hero Red Chipified superhero mode in, and so he gets out where Tadashi doesn't. Right. So the mm. the crystallizing comet here is just before they go in is, of course, from Baymax in this movie is right. Flying makes me a better healthcare companion. He's bought into the obligation of empathy. He's bought fully into the green ship, but he's also bringing himself and all his capabilities. And that's why it works. Mm, that's why that's he good. succeeds. So this is a whole nother level, right, where we're now seeing he's succeeding in a community he's understood the obligations of the magnanimous leader. He's understood the obligations of empathy of the green ship. Right. And he's using all his powers from the red ship to make it happen. And so he's able to do something that neither the Callahan full supervillain mode could do, or that Tadashi just empathy could do, right. Because he's augmented its capabilities and because he's gotten this far with his team. So it, it's kind of a fun mm. message. It really is. Yeah, you're right there. He's integrating it into his character. He's developing a full version of magnanimous character here. And even Tadashi has something to learn, right? Even Baymax has something to learn here about what it takes to be a hero, because Baymax kind of thought being a hero means being in the background, helping people, you know, not being noticed. And Hero's like, well, what if to help the most people, sometimes you need to be right there in the middle of it. You need to be the one blasting off. You need to have a rocket arm in order to help people sometimes. That's perfect. Like you said, you know, it's not just this pure version of Tadashi's character that's being espoused on everybody else. Tadashi is creating conditions for flourishing through his character, and other people have to take up the mantle, and they have to infuse their own uniqueness in it, like we talked about in episode one. Right. And really, the whole team learns that lesson, right, is that they are they are individually flourishing and individually leveling each other up. But it's this it's this back half of the movie, right, is where they all realize that they have an obligation to go help others with those capabilities like that. Just just being cool, <laughs> just being cool to solve my problem isn't sufficient. And so that's what we kind of that's, you know, again, it's Disney. It's not subtle. It's beautiful on the screen. All sorts of cool things are happening. I love the whatever's on the other side of the teleportation portal, you know, quantum reality thing that they've got. I love the visuals of that. I love the, you know, all of the very kinetic stuff that happens around Baymax with all the combat and the flying and the sort of navigating out of the teleportation realm. Like all that is just beautiful. Like it conveys this sense of wonder, this sense of like, wouldn't it be cool? very very effectively right at this at this slightly cartoony slightly simplified slightly gloss, glossy level but like you said the core of it is that tadashi is this avatar of compassion he's this avatar of intact character without which all of those capabilities are at best wasted and at worst mm. actively harmful right like Whoa. you know if you don't have a character all that capability is just sort of a loose cannon pointed around the world Wow. And this this is the bringing it back in. I'm like, okay, now I've got this capability. I actually have the obligation to do something with it. Like, it's not like, you know, we don't see them at the end of the movie. Like, like, okay, great. We got Callahan. We saved his daughter. We're putting all this stuff away and going back to being university students. Like, that's not the lesson that they learn. Oh, wow. That's good. I want to ask you one more thing before we bring this to a close. What do you think about how Tadashi feels about dying here? Because he, like, obviously, Tadashi's young when he dies, but how do you think he really feels about that? Because he kind of leaves the legacy in a different way. I think 
and this is a, this is a concept that you and Derek brought to me when I first started sitting on Wonder Tour is the idea of the leader's character being intact. He is such an intact character. He's so settled in his conception of his role in the world that he doesn't really question that, right? He's he's he would love to be around for longer and to build more Baymaxes and have them help as many people as possible and use all of his skills. Like he would love to do that. Clearly, he's got this passion for life, but he sees the world very clearly and he's like somebody I care about is in that building. I have to go in there. I have this moral obligation to try to help when I have the capability to help. Nobody else is here. I'm not risking my younger brother, but I have to go in there. And so he's kind of at peace with the risk that he's taking because that's just who he is. And that, you know, of course it's, it's exaggerated. It's Disney fied. It's, you know, it's the Obi-Wan Gandalf level, super magnanimous character. But I would suggest that he's not spending a lot of time looking, worrying about lost opportunities, right? He's just like, if I have the character in place, I face the problems that are ahead of me and we go do the thing. And that's the lesson that clearly Hero learns that lesson, right? He's like, the gate's collapsing. I don't even care about this person. But anyway, I have the capability. Therefore, I have the obligation. I would suggest that Tadashi would be at peace with whatever happens, right? Because he knows he brought the character that he needed to to the world he taught the lessons that he needed to teach and it does it resonates right i have a friend who likes to say that you know talk about the concept of karma is not it's not a cosmic vending machine it's not a judge judy where you put one thing in and you get another thing out that's watching every move it's a if you put good things into the world then you live in a world that has more good things in it right you know <laughs> the more capability you have the more influence the bigger ripples you can make Right. You don't control exactly what comes back to you, but that's all you got. Those are your choices. Mm, wielding capability with character. And it ah. feels like that's what Tadashi had in balance. And I know that we're running long here. I just want to sit and talk about some of these truly magnanimous leaders that we come across, like you said, Obi-Wan and Gandalf and stuff. And right, they they all have the same kind of a moment that Tadashi had, right? Obi-Wan has the moment where he submits himself to Darth Vader in order so that Luke can become the hero that they need, in order so that Vader can overcome his internal strife. He has to have that moment. Gandalf has his moment with the Balrog, where he's like, you shall not pass, and he just drops himself in, and he's like, actually, by leaving, I'm going to do more good for the team and for the world than I could do by staying. And to me, of course, it's like you said, it's a story and it's Disney-fied, but it's so obvious that, you know, this was Tadashi's destiny, right? It's I'm not saying there's we could go a hole into what destiny is and, you know, how we comprehend it and stuff like that. But to make that integrated sacrifice is Tadachi's destiny because it wasn't about him. It was about magnanimity in the world. It was about creating a flourishing world. And by doing that thing, he was able to multiply the blessing to everybody else in the world. He was able to multiply the good character. So I, like you said, I think he's truly happy and full of joy with the decision that he made there. The idea is that if we have this integrated form of character, then we can have the confidence in the moments where we have to make those wise decisions and choose, are we going to take what's right in our own eyes or are we going to make the magnanimous decision? We don't have to worry about if we're not here to see the other side of it. We can know that when you do that, the blessing follows, essentially, <laughs> like the right. goodness follows. Yeah, well, at least it's it's contagious, right? And so, so I want to bring it back real quick then uh, as we wrap this up. 
let's just talk about sort of the the practical implications of this. How do you apply this in in your in your life, in your business life, in your real, in in daily life? Right. We're not suggesting, of course, that to be a effective magnanimous leader and multiply your forces across the world that you have to die fighting a Balrog. Like that's not, not necessarily <laughs> right. But the unflinching facing the challenge and taking it upon yourself as the leader, if that's what's required, that is a thing, right? If you are, you know, just prosaic business example, right? If there's a problem with the thing that your team is doing and you have the opportunity or the obligation to explain it to somebody outside the group, you're going to go in front of some executives, you got to go to the weekly meeting and stand up and say things aren't going very well, right? As the leader, you can stand up and say, it didn't go very well and it was this person's fault and we're never going to do that again. Or you can just stand up as the leader and say, we're really sorry. This thing's not going very well. This is exactly what the problem is. This is exactly how we're going to make it better and take it on your shoulders. You face the Balrog, right? Don't send a minion in to face the Balrog because you didn't, you know, because you think it's their fault or because you didn't like it, right? That that obligation of the of the mentor to demonstrate the character, to demonstrate taking responsibility, to demonstrate putting yourself in difficult situations before you put other people in difficult situations. That's a real thing. So that's one thing I think we can take from this. And that goes is, back to... Is sacrifice we, simply the ultimate demonstration of character? Not the only demonstration of character, but basically the ultimate demonstration of it. It's like one final way that you can demonstrate your character and show people, or not final. Let's right, say it's yeah. it's one, it, it is like one critical way you can demonstrate your character to people and impart it to them in a moment. It's like the... It's like yeah. creating a gate. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, and it's, yeah, any anytime you're putting something of yourself that you can't get back into the mission rather than into your own self-aggrandizement, I think that's powerful, right? So that in the sacrifice, it might be the one that unlocks your, your own limit break, or it might be unlock the team's limit break, like we talked about. I think that's a thing, right? So we've got, we've got that leadership obligation. But the other lesson we get out of this, right, is this, this hierarchy of joy. Right. Is that if you have people working with you, people that you're mentoring that aren't directly in your hierarchy, but you can you can influence them. Right. There's you want them to be doing things that they love. The act of creation is joyful for the two of us and for many of the people that listen to us. I think it's not the only form, but whatever it is, you know, if they're trumpet players, great. Give them an opportunity to play trumpet solos. Right. You want them to be having that. That is more powerful and spirals upwards if they do it in a community, in a magnanimous community that encourages them to level up, that reinforces each other. That's even better than just getting to do the thing that they love in a cubicle by themselves. And then doing it together for a purpose, for a magnanimous purpose, you know, with an underpinning of compassion and empathy in the context of a narrative, like we're doing this thing together, we are this team, you know, embarking on this journey or conquering this challenge, is even a, is even a greater level than that. Not just that they're self-reinforcing to be cool, but that they're self-reinforcing to be a force for change in the world. And all those things are available to you as a leader, to us as leaders, right? All those things are things that you can do. You can try to align people to jobs that they love or to tasks that they enjoy. You can try to make sure that they recognize and support each other by modeling that yourself. That is not zero sum, that if one of my minions gets to present in front of the executives and looks really great, that doesn't make me look worse as a leader. It makes me look better. <laughs> right? <laughs> you can model the, the community piece and you can model the, the narrative. You can model the purpose. Like this is the context of the problem that we're solving in the world that only we can do. We're the superheroes. Like that, all of that stuff is available to you. 
and it these these kind of broad simple movies with these very dramatic you know themes and elements and avatars kind of just you know we we tend up talking philosophy a lot right but that's because those narratives are so powerful and those narratives are really powerful levers that you can lean on in a leadership challenge man i love it you just nailed all of it brian i can't go any further than that I was not expecting, again, sometimes the simple, silly movies are the ones that we get really deep on, right? I wasn't expecting the Fast and Furious 5 to be nearly as involved as it was or for Dom to be the magnanimous leader. But again, this one this one pulls out some stuff. I like where we've landed, though. Halfway through our series on joy, a little more, you know, we're three movies into this. We're starting to get a sense of that joy is not just this localized, personal, selfish thing, right? That it it's, it can start there. But there are ways in that it amplifies. There are ways that it reinforces in a community and for a purpose. And that's a that's a thing that I hadn't articulated before that's, I think, really powerful that sort of feeds into some concepts of how you might behave in a leadership role. Awesome. All right. That was fun. Thanks, everyone, for joining us. Next week, join us. We are going to revisit the Star Wars universe with a war movie that's all about sacrifice. That's right. We're doing Star Wars Rogue One. Really looking forward to that conversation. It's going to be a very different angle on our examination of joy. In the meantime, thank you so much. And just remember, as always, character is destiny.